Hello, everyone, and welcome back to, to the newest episode of the FPL Fortress. My name is Jacob. And my name is Jaya. I won. You won? I won. I, triple captain Marcus Rashford. Ah, I suppose that those managers were rewarded with healthy green arrows last week. As someone who is a bit too cautious to pull the trigger, it certainly wasn't a great sight to see. Well, you know what they say, you only live once. And in this case, you only have one chance to triple captain Marcus Rashford at home against Palace and Leeds. I mean, come on, you had to do it. Well, that's easy to say now. At this point, really the big question for me is whether we'll be saying the same thing about Erling Holland after his own double game week. But first, let's, let's talk about Rashford's sublime form, uh, starting with his performance in Man United's 2-1 victory against Crystal Palace. So if you'll if you'll remember, at the end of last episode, Jacob and I we uh, came up with our own uh, predictions uh, for United's double game week. Jacob predicted fourteen points against Palace and nine points against Leeds, which is remarkably close to what actually happened. Uh, Rashford got uh, twelve points against Palace and eight points against Leeds, so just a difference of three points. Uh, I, on the other hand, I. Uh, tried to be a bit more comprehensive and in doing so of course had uh, some more errors um, I thought United would beat Palace 2-0 which looked pretty likely until Casemiro decided he uh, was into that kind of stuff <laughs> and then uh, I, I predicted uh, Rashford one goal uh, assisted by Bruno which was wrong and, and Veghorst uh, scoring the second corner and then for United Leeds, I predicted uh, 3-0 United, which was a bit a bit off. Uh, Leeds and, and Rashford, I said, would both have a, a goal disallowed, uh, but Rashford would, would still get one. And Martial would get one as a sub. He ended up not featuring at all over the double game week. And I said Shaw would get one in the last 10 minutes, but unfortunately he got nothing. Thoughts on uh, United over the two games? I mean, you know, first, just about your predictions. I think I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I mean, you know, certainly the thought process was good. There, there was it was certainly something that could have happened, mm. and you know, there were there were certainly some events that made it transpire in a way that no one could have predicted. But it's not something you should be your, be be yourself up over too harshly. But you know, as to United, I think on the whole they do look like one of the better teams in the league. I think, given the you know Rashford. Seems to it seems to not even be a purple patch at this point. He seems to mm. he seems to just be a, a, a ridiculously good player. Mm. And now that Bruno Fernandez is more involved in the attack, Jaden Sancho back from injury, maybe this goal can get him, you know, up and running again. Martial not really involved, but still an option on the bench. Um, I think the cert, uh Casemiro getting suspended, I think it's for three games, will certainly be a, a detriment over these next few weeks. But I, th I think on the whole, uh, it's, it's looking very strong for them. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, we did see uh, United kind of lacked Casemiro's presence in their second game against Leeds. But um, let's see. I uh, <laughs> I did see this uh, this tweet. Either is from the, the Premier League account or the, the Manchester United account uh, that was saying, Marcus Rashford has now entered the golden boot race uh, because he's in fifth place with 11 goals. Uh, I think Mitrovic is also on 11, Tony's on 13, Kane is on 17, and uh, 
I bet you'll never guess who's uh, who's at number one. It was twenty five. I, th- I think I think it seems a bit misleading to say that someone is in the Golden Boot race <laughs> if they have less than half of the goals of the league leader. You're probably right there, but uh, I, you know, I, I think things pretty much pretty much panned out as expected for United in a double. Um, I think the the interesting talking point me for for me is uh, is Jaden Sancho. Um, I saw this tweet from uh, what's his name, Well Beast, which is the <laughs> the main uh, Arsenal Twitter guy, <laughs> uh, say, uh, I think United were were two one down against Leeds at that point, and uh, and and this guy tweets, United need a goal and they bring on Jaden Sancho, ha 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 ha, lo and behold, Jaden Sancho comes on and he scores, which is quite funny, but uh, Sancho. Is he first choice? I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I think it's it's important to wonder or not. Excuse me, not wonder. Uh, remember, um, just how how good he was at such a young age at Dortmund. Because I think, I mean, as a as an eighteen year old, he had twelve goals and fourteen assists. As a nineteen year old, he had seventeen goals, and sixteen assists. As a twenty year old, he had eight goals and eleven assists. And that's an excellent season for a twenty year old, but it was still a decent step down, which tells you quite a bit about how how much of a talent this guy is. And sure, I think he hasn't really caught on quite yet at United, but it's it's really important to remember just how, how talented he is and really, I mean, how much pedigree he had at the time. And I think that when you when you analyze his his future prospects in the team, it's very important to remember how how promising he's, he's looked in the past. And to me, that seems like it's a very clear sign that or at least a good indication that he could carry this form over. Yeah, I think out of I saw this poll comparing uh, asking who was best at their uh, prime up until this point, and it was comparing what was it Rashford, Saka, Foden, and and Sancho. Uh, and I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, perhaps I'm a bit biased, but I I think Foden is probably the best player there. Ooh. Regardless, regardless of the things that are going on in the city team right now, because okay. I, I don't know what I can say about that really. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think Foden is. I mean, all four of those players are special talents. I think Foden is the most special. I think I mean, you know, on current form, obviously, it'll be Rashford. Sack is excellent too, and you know, as we mentioned, Sancho is also up there. I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming the the conclusions that you'll come to is that uh, Sancho is a bit. Uh, under underappreciated at this moment in time yeah yeah well you just reel off those stats and 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 you think Foden is better than Sancho I think that looking at what Foden did to really influence Man City teams that were stacked with international quality talent that were winning Premier Leagues Mm -hmm. at you know 20 years of age just shows that he's just a, a half a tier above the rest of those players all right maybe so Back to Sancho, though, it, uh, he scored that really nice goal against Liverpool uh, very early on in the season. And I don't really uh, know well, the, the one where he uh, exposed Van Dyke's aura. Yes. Yes. That's the one. That's the one. Not much of an aura left. but um, and, and then I think, what, he got an injury and he kind of just got banished to the, the shadow realm by Ten Hag. Um, and it seemed like he'd really fallen out of favor. But... Uh, I guess Ten Hag is at a plan all along, and and now we're seeing a, a new uh, shiny Jaden Sancho. 
Perhaps, perhaps. I think there's still a long way to go, but this was certainly a very positive first step. Mm -hmm. All right, shall we move on to Wolves 3, Liverpool 0? Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost hard to, like, find something to say about this uh -uh. because, I mean, what, what is there to say about a team that was, you know, coming into the season, was just coming off a, a very difficult loss in the Champions League final, was expected to compete in the for the Premier League title, expected to compete the Champions League, and, I mean, everything's just gone wrong for them. I mean... Of course, there are injuries. Van Dijk, uh, Jota, Luis Diaz, Mane left, and I think that was a much bigger departure than anyone realized at the time. Sure. But it also just seems like the entire team is stagnated and even uh -huh. regressed on an individual level from man to man. Yeah, it's it's peculiar. Uh, Mo Salah, I believe he's had five shots in the last four games, which is practically unheard of for for a man like him he typically averages i don't know four or five shots per game i mean there's uh, you know there were times when five goals in four games wouldn't have been such a remarkable stretch right right and uh klopp uh klopp came up with this uh with this quote in the post-match interview he was like oh i don't count the third goal that wolf scored against us because uh what that was like the first pass that they made in our half in the second half, uh, and then and then Wolves claps back uh, with a with a tweet of the full time full time scoreline, and they made it two 0 instead of three 0 and at the bottom, uh, they crossed out Neves's name, scored the third goal, um, which Twitter is a savage place. Yeah, it's it's a lawless land, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I feel like if if Liverpool can continue to perform this way we, we, we shouldn't even they don't even deserve uh airtime on this podcast because i mean we've been saying the same thing over and over they just their press doesn't work their their players just just don't seem to to click yeah i mean i, I don't know how many times we can say that they need some new midfielders but yeah right i mean i mean arthur arthur Mello, <laughs> maybe i mean it's 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 just there's so many structural issues and I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to fall out of the big six, but I, I think they honestly aren't the caliber of team anymore that we should be surprised if this type of loss happens, mm. at least in their, their current setup. Uh -huh. <laughs> that is quite a thing to say, but that's the reality now. All right, let's move on to uh, another team who seems to be uh, going through something. Uh, Man City. Spurs won Man City no. He's played, what, four games at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? He scored zero goals and lost four times. What's going on? I mean, I think the stadium is just cursed. <laughs> like, honestly, there have been quite a few City losses this year where I was panicking. I remember, I think most distinctly that uh, Southampton FA Cup loss uh. just was putrid. And <laughs> to be honest, this one was pretty putrid too. Yep. But I, I'm honestly just like, I think everyone in the Premier League plays 38 games in the season, right? But City really only yes. play 37. <laughs> because one of them is this game. <laughs> Totting them away. And I think I think every fan has just come to accept that it's going to be a loss. <laughs> so, you know what? It happened. It was always going to happen. <laughs> you move on. That's all you can do. 
<laughs> that's one way to look at it but also this this result doesn't seem like uh, an anomaly uh, within the the, the past uh, few games for city i think i don't know it, it city have seemed off of it generally this season but especially uh, after the world cup uh, you know foden has who knows what's happened to foden cancel's been banished uh, well not not just banished he's been loaned out Sure. Yes. Um, Pep is, is experimented with a what was it a a, a is a, is a three two four one right? Uh, effectively, yes. Is he is he going through something? Surely. I mean, it's it's hard to say because I mean it's it's been it's been a strange season certainly. I mean, it's it seems like before the World Cup we had a very settled squad. Not settled, but you know, fairly established at least. Yeah. Um, you know, everything made sense. Foden was playing extremely well. Cancel was playing pretty well. Um, it was a pretty typical pet formation, I would say. And then after the after the World Cup, everything seemed to to shift somehow. I mean, Foden hasn't been able to get a game in. Neither has Cancelo. Uh, Rico Lewis, and look, I don't have a problem with Rico Lewis. I'm I'm happy mm-hmm. for him. And I think he's been, you know, better than people have given him credit for. But, I mean, he's not Joao Cancelo. And it just doesn't make sense to me why we can't find a way to make Cancelo keep working in the same way that he's been very successful in the past couple of years. And then we had to turn to Rico Lewis, Rico Lewis instead. Right. Oh, it is strange. And uh, I don't know. Are, are, you, are you actually concerned uh, in a long term? How long term are we talking? Well, I don't know. What what makes me ask that question is because uh, Ten Hag, I remember at the start of the season when he first came to United, he said uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, Pep and Klopp play some great football, but eras come to an end. I, I think as, as long as we have Pep Guardiola, I'll always be confident in Man City. And as long as we're able to you know, keep restocking with elite players with our, our Arab money. <laughs> I'll always be confident in Man City. Um, I mean, you know, we can talk about the the allegations <laughs> uh, levied by the Premier League against City, which are, yeah. are another story. And it's certainly possible that we will face some type of punishment. And it's also possible that that chatter has affected the on-field performance. Although, uh-huh. I guess it didn't really come out until after that Spurs game. Right. But it is something to keep an eye on. I mean... Long, long term. I mean, this season's probably done. Books on the Champions League. That's all we can do. I think Arsenal will win the league pretty easily. But I, I think Listen, next it's season. Fi- it's five points. Five points. They have a game in hand. And you, you play them twice, though. So we probably need to win both, or at least get four points. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, long, long, long term, like a few years down the road, I'm not concerned. But this is just a lost year, it seems. Sure. All right, let's move on to the dilemma deliberations. We have uh, a few more questions than usual, but should be exciting. So uh, continuing on the topic of of Man City, is a Man City triple up essential? They play uh, Villa at home and then Arsenal away. I can't believe I'd ever say this, but I don't think it is. Mm. I mean... You know, first of all, I mean, you you have Holland, obviously. Everyone has mm-hmm. Holland, but 
it just seems like not only is it like the players aren't, you know, there's always a rotation risk with City, and more so given that the the Champions League is going to restart soon. Right. But I mean, these players aren't even all that good. You would it would it would seem, and given that one of the two games is Arsenal, I mean, it's not that much of a double off. Yeah, no, I, I would. Can we? Yeah, no. Let, let briefly, briefly, let's talk. Let's talk about um, specifically the uh, the Arsenal City game at the Emirates. I, I think it's a very, very real possibility that Arsenal shut out City altogether. Yeah, it's it's it is possible. I mean, if we, if the only solution we have is to just funnel everything through Holland, uh-huh. and not play De Bruyne for whatever reason, I I don't understand. Don't understand well, that I... at all. I, I mean, he's been excellent this, this year, but I would not. I don't know about excellent. I mean, not excellent in fantasy, but excellent in the real world, sure, absolutely. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, we did beat Arsenal in the cup. Mm. It was, you know, a mix of the A and B teams for Arsenal, and I think we were playing a stronger side. So, you know, not something you, that you can completely draw all these assumptions from. But I mean, Arsenal, they they have. A, Probably the second best defense in the in the league, and you know it, it's certainly possible that given City's attacking struggles, mm-hmm. that we don't score. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arsenal, uh, do we think they're going to bounce back after that one 0 defeat to Everton? I mean, that was really the first game of its kind for Arsenal, was it not? What do you? Where mean they looked that? a bit listless. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, they've been maybe the most potent team going forwards all year. Yeah. And I, I don't really think that I'm I'm worried at all. Um, you know, I, I can't explain how Everton won that game except <laughs> just, you know, Sean Dyche. Yeah. But I, I, I'm I'm extremely confident that Arsenal will rediscover their scoring form. I think that was a bit of an anomaly. I would agree with that. Uh back to Man City though. Um so you have Holland. Uh, would you, if you had a free transfer, would you would you buy a second attacker? I mean, the only the only player that I would really consider at all is Morris. Really, in my opinion. I think that I mean, I mean, no one's really, other than perhaps De Bruyne, but even still, he got rested for uh, that Spurs game. No one is really like nailed on for 180 minutes or even like 150. Yeah. And I think just on, on form, Mars has been, I mean, I can pull up his stats for a moment. Um, In his past, uh, I believe seven games, he's had four goals and three assists, which is That's pretty damn good. Pretty good. Pretty good. And it seems like he's certainly found the niche on that right-hand side where he's able to, you know, work well with Hollands and, Mars and Grealish at times have been one of the, the few combos that have allowed City to find any sort of any sort of success. So I, I would feel decently confident about going with him. But um, De Bruyne, he uh, I think he I've I've heard things where Pep likes to like sort of, I don't know bench De Bruyne against teams that play five at the back for tactical reasons and neither Villa nor Arsenal play five at the back and he's well rested so I think he does start both and he probably will get the most minutes out of any city midfielder 
Probably. Probably. I mean, he's only played about 100 in his last three, mm. which is not what you want to see. But he had also played 90 in each of the eight or so games before that. I mean, I think, obviously, everyone knows that De Bruyne is one of the best midfielders ever. Yeah. And, I mean, I think any reasonable person would expect that he would play 180 minutes and that, you know, he would play well in those minutes. But he also hasn't scored since game week 14. That's a concern, yes. And he hasn't really gotten that many assists either, just three oh. since then. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, he has 108 points, but it is somewhat of a down, down year for him. Um, despite his 12 assists. And I think, yeah, I mean, in this game, goals are king. And mm-hmm. like assists are a nice little cherry on top. But, right. uh, you know, if it's, if you're having a nice little cherry Sunday, I'd rather, you know, focus on a Sunday than have 10 extra cherries oh. and no Sunday. All right. You're a Sunday person, not a cherry person. Fair enough. Um, Okay. Now, now about the defense. Um, anyone? I mean, I think I think Ake and Akanji are really the two options. Yeah. But I mean, the defense just isn't that good. And I mean, they, they, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet. Well, they they kept them the Wolves game. I mean, they've kept about four all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not good enough. No, it isn't. But I mean, the the expected numbers have have still no. The XG numbers are good, but I mean, I think there's also just something that you can't quantify about the fact that teams only need one shot to score on them. Hmm. Well, I think that's uh, the answer is Ederson. It could be, and honestly, in that in that FA Cup game, Ortega actually looked a lot better. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, his distribution wasn't as as good as Ederson's is. But in terms of actual shot stopping, and I, th- I think I mentioned this at the time, he made two good saves. I I don't think Ederson would have made both of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, Ortega's a pretty good goalie. And, you know, maybe Pep is paying attention. To that. I'm I'm pretty sure he's probably too loyal to, Ever- to Ederson mm-hmm. to make a to make a change. But it is it is concerning that your goalie can't stop shots. Would it be stupid to go for Edison? I mean, in a strange way, he's the most nailed on. And, you know, given that none of these, none of the defenders can really, are really a, a sort of threat for attacking returns at all, mm. it's probably not the worst idea. Um, and obviously, it depends who you already have. I, I have, uh, I'm playing Danny Ward every week. Right, right. I mean, I personally have Pope, which has yeah. worked out decently well. And I probably wouldn't want to get Ederson instead of Pope. So, yeah. But I mean, in, in your case, if especially if you're already looking to move on from Ward, it could be an option. All right. That's that's enough for City for now. So something we would have, you know, a stance we would have never taken uh, in the past couple of years, but perhaps not too bullish on them for this week. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, Arsenal then. Uh, specifically, Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, he's uh, become a bit of a darling to, to a lot of FPL managers, uh, especially those who started with him. But now with the arrival of Leandro Trossard, obviously we saw a pre-60-minute substitution for Martinelli last week. Um, 
is is that a cause for concern? Um, is he a rotation risk? Should we take him out for a minus four even? Uh, what are his prospects for the double? I mean, obviously Martinelli started the season off extremely strong and until about game week 18, continue that form. But, I mean, since then, no goals, no assists in four, which, I mean, on its own isn't, you know, all that concerning, although, you know, it's it's never what you want to see. But I think more more concerningly, arguably, is the fact that Arsenal went and bought Trossard, who mm. has come out and said that he is competing with Martinelli for those minutes. How's he and, oh, Yes, he, he said that he's not just there to, to be a bench player. All right. And, I mean, so far Arteta has been willing to basically like use the two somewhat interchangeably, uh-huh. which should be a big red flag for any FPL manager. And, I mean, obviously, Martinelli's still good. But my concern is really more about the expected minutes. Right. How many do you think he gets combined in the two games? I would say around 120. 120. Yeah, all right. So compare that 120 with, uh, I don't know, probably around 170, 180 that someone like Odegaard or, or Saka gets. And... Well, you ask yourself, um, for those extra 60 minutes, is that worth a minus four? I mean, I, w- I would argue that it is. And probably for both of them, to be honest. I mean, obviously, Odegaard, I mean, he's just been a do-everything type of player for Arsenal. I mean, eight goals, mm. six assists, that speaks for itself. Yeah. And I think Saka, too. Personally, I would, and I actually might spend four points to get him in over Martinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on penalties, which is... Certainly an, an important uh, quality in any player. I think he's definitely more, uh, you know, just more locked in into the into the team sheet. And I think also over these past few weeks, he's probably been a bit more involved in the attack. Mm-hmm. Interesting to note, though, that uh, Saka only has one double-digit return this entire season. And that came in game week uh, 10 against Liverpool. Um, yep. Whereas... What's his face? Odegaard, he's gotten a lot more. He's gotten, let's see, one, two, three, four, six, six double-digit returns. I mean, it is funny that that, disp- that that disparity is there. But, I mean, Odegaard, I believe, has 119 points. Saka has 111. So, yeah. I mean, on the whole, there's not much difference between the two. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, so... All right, those two we've established are very good options. How does how does Nketiah compare? I think I think this podcast is a big fan of Eddie Nketiah. <laughs> um, I think since you know being thrust into that role after Jesus's injury, he's had I believe four goals in, in six games, uh, playing ninety minutes in all of them, which is something you'd love to see. Um, I think he's an option. Kind of on that same level as, you know, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli. Um, I think it's probably, I probably wouldn't prefer him over either Odegaard or Saka. But if for whatever reason your your team structure would make it easier to to have a striker in that, you know, 7 million range than a midfielder, then I think he's certainly an option. Now hold on a second. And Katia... Has had post restart. He's had seven big chances, whereas 
Sackens had two, Martinelli has one, uh, and Odegaard has had zero. Uh, and Katia has an XGI of 4.9, uh, whereas the other three have an XGI of 3.0, 2.8, and 3.0, respectively. I think the numbers tell a different different story than what you're saying here. Sure. I mean, I think it's it's also important. I mean, you know, we talked about how, you know, assists are just a cherry on top. But I mean, those those 4.9 actually are coming from the assists of the other players, which I don't think should be completely discounted. Sure. But I also think that, I mean, XG doesn't always equal goals. And I think that I would trust the probably all three of those other players, to be honest, to convert their chances into goals more than I would in Kedia. Okay. Okay. I believe in Eddie. I believe in Eddie. Uh, all right. And, and, and finally, in the, in the defense department, uh, I think a lot of us own Ben White, but um, he is also, I think, starting to become a concern for pre-60 minute substitutions. Yeah, I think he's, I've noticed that he's had a couple in the past few yeah, past few weeks. I mean, what other options are there in the defense? I'm sure everyone probably wants at least one defender. Yeah, I mean, are you going to take a minus four for Gabriel or Zinchenko? Probably not, right? Probably not. I mean, I personally have Saliba, who, I mean, you know, it's, uh, okay. that's fine. But I, I think I think if I owned White, I would just stick with him. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, it might even be a, a good thing if he gets substituted after a little bit after sixty minutes, and uh, you know you can lock down a clean sheet. Yeah, that's true. Well, what should we do with uh, with game week twenty, where uh, Arsenal, Brighton, and United, and, and Newcastle blank? How, how are we supposed to plan for that? I mean, I think it it shouldn't. I mean, it's certainly a big enough event in the FPL timeline that it's it's enough to merit your thoughts. But given that Arsenal and City, two of the you know most important teams, I would say in FPL, both have doubles. I think that for now, at least, you have to concentrate on on game week twenty three. And you know, I think Arsenal also have the the twenty five double, right? Um, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. I'm, I think most people probably have three Arsenal players already, but you know certainly lock that down. Um, but I th- I think beyond that, I mean two weeks is if you also use game week twenty four to plan for that that uh you know hybrid week, I think that you'd have enough time and resources to do it without real really altering your your double game week strategy here. Mm. I think it's probably team dependent as well as it as it so often is because. Uh, well, if, if you, if you, I don't know, if you have seven players who currently play in game week 25, then you're probably fine because you have two weeks to make two moves and you could bring that to nine or even 10 with a minus four, right? I think so. Yeah. And I mean, it also probably to some extent is based on like how good those players are. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, Rashford, Bruno, um, you know, Shaw, um, Trippier. Um, I don't know if people have someone like, you know, Ivan Tony or Matoma at this point versus, you know, some smaller assets that probably aren't, you know, quite as, you know, 
integral to your team. But I think if if it's more, you know, the low end starter slash bench player, then it's easier to just ignore that and just kind of make some transfers on the fly versus really adapting your strategy. Sure, sure. All right. And uh, lastly, is it time to invest in the Chelsea defense? Uh, three clean sheets in the last three games. Kepa uh, Rizabalaga has been uh, like that. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Has been uh, very, very good in net um, and a bonus point machine. They have 2.7 XGA in the past three games. So perhaps there's some luck involved. But um, Bruce James is back. And uh, the center back partnership of uh, uh, Thiago Silva and uh, Benoit Badia Chile seems to be quite settled. I think yeah, I, I think it's certainly encouraging that after you know hundreds of millions of <laughs> of euros on all these defenders that Graham Potter has found you know four that seem to be able to <laughs> be able to play together. I think I think Badia Chile has looked excellent in these yeah. first few games. Um, I, th- I think we've talked about, you know, how good he's been on the ball and things like that. And I think he certainly has some good chemistry with Silva. And I think, you know, adding Reese James to that defense. I mean, I- I'm not sure. I mean, he is a good defender. I'm not convinced that he'll really, you know, move the needle on the actual clean sheet element. But, you know, just the availability of him for our teams. And now that the, you know, clean sheet issue is close to being solved, combined with his you know obvious propensity for attacking returns will make him a very intriguing asset once he builds up a bit more match fitness oh yeah uh ben chilwell played six minutes against Fulham last week six he was a chelsea fan six yes six and that's 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 good well that's very good he's been out since uh what the early game weeks of the season i'm very excited about this news he is clearly first choice one fit i mean he had a, a stretch before he tore his acl Last season, wasn't it? Where he last was, year. yeah, yeah, last year, where he was, you know, just lighting the game on fire. Oh yeah, but I mean, it certainly would be good for Chelsea, and I think for the sport and the game as a whole, if Chilwell was able to get back to full fitness. Absolutely. All right, uh, moving on to captaincy now. There is one man, isn't there? I, th- I think this could be the shortest captaincy segment that we've ever done. <laughs> I mean, early Holland is 25 goals. Man City have a double game week. Yes, one of those is Arsenal, but it's still a double game week. I mean, what else? What more is there to say? The man has slowed down a little bit, and so has Man City of late. But, I mean, he's he's so capable of reminding everyone what he can do. I mean, yeah. you know, we all thought he was pretty much finished, a liability of the team. Anything you want to say, and then he just drops seventeen points and right. three goals gets Wolves. Right. Yeah, and uh Villa Villa conceded four against uh Leicester last week, so an encouraging yeah. first game. Yeah. I mean the Villa one's really the big one that you're looking at. And then anything that you can get from the Arsenal game is just a bonus. But yeah. I mean you have if you cap if especially if you triple captain him, and even if you just captain him, you're probably hoping for at least two goals in Villa. Yeah, and I certainly think that's very possible. Oh, it's certainly possible. But yes. That's really what you would need to have a successful captaincy. Yes, yes. 
Um, would you ever consider someone like a Saka? I just couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it? No, I, I couldn't bet against the most consistent player in the game to date. Are you going to be triple captaining this most consistent player? I I mean, I'm tempted. I think that something I've been thinking about is that, I mean, there will be more double game weeks, but I mean, I still want to use my free hit. I still want to use my bench boost uh. and you can't use two shift in the same week. So, you know, maybe the perfect week will come, but I don't want to feel like I'm I'm missing out on being able to use one of those other chips just because I waited too long for that perfect game week. And with that, uh, I think we've come to the episode, the end of yet another episode of the FPL Fortress. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed our uh, lengthier dilemma deliberation segment. Uh, me personally, I have um, I have Ben White and uh, Martinelli, uh, two players who <laughs> we both uh, are both a little bit concerning as we talked about today. So I'm I'm gonna think about who I want for my triple up. Um, I, I think what I'm gonna do is. Uh, go Martinelli to, to Odegaard and Almiron to, to Saka for a minus four uh, and potentially do a goalkeeper transfer because I just cannot bear to see Danny Ward's face in my team anymore. But uh, I, I think, if you, yeah, I, I think yeah. my personal decisions are a bit more settled. Um, I, I I feel like going Odegaard, no, not Odegaard, uh, Martinelli to Saka is the right move mm-hmm. just because, you know, you have to get the most out of those three Arsenal assets. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really know if there is a second move that I need to make. Um, I I do I do like Mars. Um, I'm not sh- quite sure how he would fit in my team, but I do like him. Um, and I I think really the big one is the Holland triple captain. Sure, isn't it? Yes, and and if you do end up going through with it, best of luck. But uh, I don't know if Azio is over two hundred percent. I don't I don't think I can wish you any luck. 